welcome and thank you for tuning in to Black Women Amplified, the podcast. Your host, Monica Wisdom Tyson, brings you downloadable conversations that matter to women around the globe. We discuss all things black girl magic, amplify our voices, and transform our challenges into triumphs. Monica calls on her league of extraordinary women to push our boundaries, share their expertise, and stories of personal transformation. Welcome your host of Black Women Amplified, Monica Wisdom Tyson. Hello, beautiful people. This is Monica Wisdom, the host of Black Women Amplified, the podcast. And I am so excited that you are here with me today. It is a late night recording, so I might cuss, I might cry, I might do all the things, but know that everything I'm giving to you is through the lens of love. And it really is important to understand that as well as the topic of this show is go where you are loved. In this world of division and craziness, it's important that we remember that love is more powerful than anything or anybody. And I remember the first time I heard someone say, go where you are loved, was the model from St. Louis, Kimora Lee Simmons. And because she was Asian and Black and from the hood, she was othered. I'm not going to say the hood. From the neighborhood, she was always othered. And I hear people talk about, I always heard people talk about, and people continue to talk about it, where you didn't fit into this world, you didn't fit into that world, especially with children from who are multicultural. You have one world, you have another world. And I totally get that because... I live in an urban city, but my parents are from the country. And so I was raised with the country, but I was raised with small town sensibilities to the point where people are like, where are you from and why do you sound like that? So I was always teased about my dialect. And when I was younger, I conformed to it and and I didn't embrace until I got older. So when I heard her say it, I never thought that I, being a round brown girl, would identify with this gorgeous supermodel named Kimora Lee Simmons. But when she talked about how she felt being raised in the same town I was raised from and how people treated her because she looked different, because she was tall and and super skinny and she looks completely Asian and comes from this multicultural family of Asian and Black. When she talked, I really listened. And I was like, oh my God, I feel the exact same way. I don't feel like my counterparts. I grew up in a time where being a creative was not was not cool. <laughs> where being an entrepreneur was not cool. I was always pressured, especially from my family, to go to college. And not that I didn't have the smarts or the intelligence to go to college or any of that, I just didn't want to go. Like it never felt like a space where I wanted to put myself in. So I chose not to go. And I became rebellious because every time somebody asked me, I'm like, I'm not going. So it became a thing to the point, even where my uncle, my uncle Vincent, one time he got me on the phone and he was like, please go to college. You're too smart not to. And here's the thing. I come from a family of people 
who were who have been for generations back highly educated to the point where like my great grandfather received an honorary doctorate. He was a principal of a school for over 50 years until segregation. And so even going back generations, people in my family were able to get college degrees. So it was it's I call education our family business. Even now I have cousins who are teachers and professors and administrators and have aunts and uncles the same thing and great aunts and uncles the same thing. So even in my family, I didn't see people being creatives. I didn't learn until later that I had family that were photographers and furniture makers and things like that. But during the time of me growing up, education was a big thing. And I get it. I completely understand it now. But back then, it just felt like unnecessary pressure. And so I never really fed in. And that's why I really identify with what Kimora Lee Simmons was saying. So it was one of those things when she said, go where you are loved. It was the time where I was trying to figure life out. It had to be, oh my God, I had to be maybe 19 or 20, maybe 19 or 20. I had graduated from beauty school with honors. Yeah, I had to be in my early 20s. So then I was also working with some global hair care companies, Sebastian and Schwarzkopf, and had worked my way up to becoming director of education for Salon Resources, which is a distributorship for Sebastian. Now, even with that, even having that as a title, I'm still an educator, but it wasn't a real job. And I'm putting my fingers up in quotations. And so I was like, when I heard that something went off and it came to the point where I decided I'm going to stop trying to fit in and I'm going to go where I'm loved. I didn't know what that was going to look like. I didn't know how that was going to happen, but I knew it had to happen. And so coincidentally, I started working in a new salon and they had two salon owners, one a guy named Jeff and a lady named Marsha. And Marsha, at the time where I started working there, she was out battling cancer. So she came back to work and she was so funny. Oh, my God. I would laugh all day because she was on these meds that just made her. I don't know what they did, but she was funny as hell. She said anything and everything she wanted to say. And one day she cornered me and looked at me and she said, it's time for you to travel. I said, And I'm thinking in my head, I do travel. I've been traveling since I was three. You know, that's another family thing. It was nothing for my dad to pack up a car and we go to D.C. or to Orlando. We went to Orlando every other year to see my aunt and her family in Florida. Not Orlando, Gainesville. We, you know, so we traveled. We'd hop in a car and we'd go. And back then, that's how black folks travel. You pack your food, you pack your clothes, you hit the road and you'd find someplace safe to stay. And then as I got older and out of high school, I was hitting the road. I was going to Atlanta, going to L.A., going to New York, just all the places, Chicago, Atlanta, you know, all the places. So it wasn't like I did not travel. And she said to me, she cornered me. And and let me give you a visual. She's like, she was like, she's since passed away. Bless God rest her soul. But she was literally like a foot shorter than me. So she was eye level. To my breasts. (laughs) And if you have ever seen me, you know that I don't have itty bitties. I have bigums. 
So she's standing there and she's like talking to my breasts like they're a microphone. And she's emphatically telling me, it is time for you to travel. It is time for you to see the world. And then she goes through, she goes through, she goes through all the points of why I should go. And then when she got done talking to me, she said, now move your big ass titties out of my face. I busted out laughing. That was the funniest thing. in the. And then she walked away. I busted out laughing so hard. I was, tears were literally running down my face. I had never felt so humiliated and enlightened at the same time. So shortly after that, I went, I got my passport. I called Oshun Lade and I told him, I was just told it was time for me to travel. Of course, he thought it was the spirit world. I'm like, no, it's this little short white lady who was talking to my boobs who told me it was time to travel. He said, okay, where are we going? I said, well, I've always wanted to go to London. I've always been, you know, fascinated with British life because, you know, as growing up as a kid, I watched Faulty Towers. I watched Benny Hill. Yes, I'm aging myself and I'm not ashamed of my age, but I love British everything because I thought they were funny. And I always thought that they were more welcome. British people were more welcoming than Americans living in, you know, the Midwest and well, the whole country living in a racist culture. They just seemed so funny and free over there. Well, when I got there, wasn't exactly the case. So I didn't love London. But here's the interesting thing. Kimura said, go where you were loved. I was loved in London. And Paris. We took a train to Paris, last minute train. And Paris, like the men loved me. Men from all the world were, hi, how are you? Hi, how are you? Like very upfront very in my eyes and wanted to continue, you know, have conversations and like, where are you from? And not of curiosity because I was an American, but like really interested me as a girl and a boy. And that was the first time I experienced it. I mean, I know now everybody's like body consciousness and men are happy to have their fluffy women on their arms. But when I was in my twenties, oh no, it was not a public matter. And any round brown girl listening to this knows exactly what I'm talking about. It was not a public matter. So I get over there and Notting Hill was one of my favorite movies. So I had to go to Notting Hill. I had to go to the West End, Soho, all the places. And I fell in love with London because it really reminded me of New York. But I also experienced some blatant racism there that I'm not even going to talk about. And then one day, Oshun Lade got a call from a friend and said he was in Paris playing. So we caught the train to Paris. It was fashion week. So there were no hotel rooms available, but I took the train to Paris and I got off the train and I literally started crying. It felt like home, like I had lived a life in Paris before. It was the most beautiful scene. It was like out of a movie. We get off the train station, had the big lamps and the shadows and every culture was together. This is the first time I've ever seen this. Now, mind you, I'm coming from the Midwest and everything in the city I live is either black or white. There was no black and white. Occasionally you would see a, a black man with a white woman, but there were no other cultures present. There weren't Mexicans, they weren't Middle Eastern people, African people. Like, I didn't see any of that. So I go to Paris 
and everybody's there. And I literally started crying. And the train ride there was just a magnificent experience. We had the best (laughs) tuna sandwich in the world, if you can believe that. So we get off the train in Paris and I'm going off the rails with the story, but we're getting off the uh, train in Paris. There's no hotel rooms available. So we're literally walking around the city, going from hotel to hotel to hotel to find someplace to stay because we're going to stay. I think we just stayed for the night and we find a hotel. The innkeeper said we have one room available and we're like, oh, my God, because we didn't have any money. We just had my credit. What was ever left on my credit card? And he said, well, we have I have one room available and I'll accommodate the three of you. So we're like, OK, well, we'll take it. Whatever it is, it's just one night. We'll just suck up the cost. And it was a the damn penthouse suite. It had it was we rode up the elevator. We were like, what in the world is this? It literally had three huge bedrooms a living room, a dining room area. It was magnificent. And then we went to the party called Thank God I'm a VIP. And the party had like 5,000 people. And it was this old, old, I don't know what it was. I'm going to call it a castle. But the, the there were literally red carpets down the stairs. And the stairs were like massive. So it looked, again, looked like the scene of a movie. And then it was fashion week. So everybody was dressed impeccably, except for us, because, you know, we're bumpkins from the Midwest. (laughs) So, but what I found was a group of people, 5,000 of them, who didn't care what college I went to, who didn't care what neighborhood I grew up in, who didn't care how much money I made, who didn't care the color of my skin, who didn't care what side of town I was raised on, and who didn't care that I was a hairstylist. In fact, when I told people I was a hairstylist, in French culture, they venerate the artists. So I got, oh, wow, that is so cool. First time I heard it in my life. So there was so many firsts in that Parisian experience, and I think that's why I've been back multiple times, And each time I go, I feel loved because I feel like I found my people. And it gave me a boost of confidence of my art. And in loving my art, I got to express myself in a bigger, bolder way when I came back to the States. And same thing went for Oshun Lade. They fell in love with his music. I mean, that's a whole nother story, but... And and on my side of it, I was like, I can't wait to come back to Paris. And coincidentally, we went back six months later. That's how much we loved it. And each time time I've gone, it's been a magical, magical experience. And I I talk people and I tell every black girl I know, I promise you, go to Paris. I promise you, go to Paris. Because here's the thing. They love black women. And when you go to a place where you are loved and not feared, your soul is allowed to open up. Your heart is allowed to open up. You meet people who find you attractive. You meet people who want to get to know you and not what you do for a living or your title or your income status. 
And I realized that that was such a part of American culture that everybody doesn't think the same way around the world. So my mind opened up. So I fully understood when Kimora said, go where you were loved. And because of that, I took a different step in my life of releasing the idea that I had to be a certain way to fit in, that life was going to box me in. I just knew that that wasn't what I needed to do. And that opened a new journey of self-discovery for me, of really getting into, because I live in a city where there's a lot of arts. So I started following, you know, the artists that I loved in Paris. I would see if there was an exhibit here. And that's when I started going deep into book signings, going to art exhibits, going to art talks. Just I became this art nerd. And it was like, the more that I got into the arts, the more I felt loved. If that makes any sense. People I didn't know, people that had painted pictures long before I was alive, I could feel the love in their work. And it inspired me to do so many different things in the hair industry. It inspired the way that I styled, the way that I educated, the way that I crafted, the way that I created a workshop, the way that I created educational experiences, because I brought all of that into what I was doing. It was nothing for me to start a class with a poem, because then I started, I came back from Paris, I started writing poetry. It was nothing for me to be inspired by a statue, so turning a, an, a hair presentation into actually an art exhibit. So these are the things that inspired me to really get to know myself better and to get to know life in a whole new way. And it really is important that we all look at life in that way. I see so many people going through pain because they're trying to fit into this box that's called perfection. And this box that's called perfection is an illusion. There's nothing perfect except you, but your perfect self is simply because you're born. The day you were conceived in your mother's womb, the Bible says God knew you before you were born. So if God knew you before you were born, that means that you were born perfect. (laughs) You can read it for yourself. I don't know the verse. I don't know the book, but I'm going to tell you it's in there. And if you really understand that, you begin to understand your power. It opens the door of unlocking your understanding of your womanhood, your blackness, your womanness, all of the things that you are. And you place less importance on the thing that you do and more more importance on the way that you are. Your compassion, your love, your fierceness, your magic, all of those beautiful things that black women are. And when you begin to travel and not travel for the gram or to take pictures, but to have true experiences with people who see you as you are, the beauty that you are without compromise, unapologetically, unapologetically beautiful, unapologetically black unapologetically a woman and what however you define that for yourself there's a place in the world there's a place in your country there's a place in your community where you are accepted as you are so i invite you and some of us need permission so i give you permission 
to look for those places and spaces and people who accept you for who you are and stop trying to conform to what society says that you are. And you might say to yourself, oh, I'm doing my thing. I'm this and I'm that. I thought the same thing. But it wasn't until I went on a a journey of self-discovery that I realized that the programs running in my head were the programs that other people placed in me. My feeling unworthy was because people told me that unless you get a real job, unless you get a real education, you're not valuable in this society. And then you're not valuable in this family. So... It took years to break all of that down, but my mentor, Marsha, telling me it was time to travel was the key in opening the truth of who I am and the love that I have for myself. So I say all that to say, I hope that you really got the gems out of this conversation and that you begin to have that conversation with yourself that you get out a pen and a piece of paper and you really start to write down the things that you want in your life, that you want to discover about yourself, the things that you want to try in life. You know, all of those things that, oh, when this happens, I'm going to do this. Oh, when this happens, I'm going to do that. But look for those points of inspirations where God says, ding, this time for you to do this. Learn to be loyal to that ding and that dose of inspiration that you're sent because that is your path telling you go this way. That is your path telling you to go that way. And that is your path telling you to go where you're loved. Thank you so much for joining me on this podcast episode. And I I want you to really, in this holiday time, When you have some time to yourself, get a pen and a piece of paper and write down your biggest dream and then go live it. This is Monica Wisdom, the host of the Black Women Amplified podcast. If you want to catch up on past podcasts, you can go to blackwomenamplified.com backslash podcast, and that'll take you to our podcast website. And make sure to subscribe and follow on your favorite platform, Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music and Facebook. You can also listen to it on our Facebook page, Black Women Amplified. If you have any ideas or epiphanies, please send them to my DMs on the Black Women Amplified Instagram page and I will get back to you. I have some great things coming up in the future. Not the future, but like soon. Not far in the future. But I've developed a self-discovery workbook that I can't wait to uh, deliver to you all. And also, don't forget to get on our mailing list, podcast.blackwomenamplified.com. I know that sounds weird. I probably need to change the name of that so it's easier to know which is which. But anyway, I conclude with saying I'm sending you love, light, energy, and acceptance, and trust, and compassion, and empathy. Thank you again, and I will see you, hear you on the next podcast. Have a great evening. Thank you for listening to Black Women Amplified. We hope you enjoyed the show. Be sure to subscribe and log on to blackwomenamplified.com for more information. Keep shining. Keep shining.